Okay, welcome to the next episode of the Mission Sustainable Podcast. And today we are going to be talking about textile and fashion. We have two very special guests. I would like to introduce Director Ilumba from the Philippine Textile Research Institution and Mr. Prince Ventura. Um, thank you very much for this invitation. We're very happy to join you uh, in this Mission Sustainable. Hi, Joaquin. Hi, Director Ilumba. Good day, everyone. I'm Prince Jim Ventura, the founder and CEO of Wear Forward, the spokesperson of Fashion Revolution Philippines, and the climate reality leader. Thank you for having me on the show. Awesome. So, you know, fashion nowadays, it's taken quite a big place in our lives. And uh, I really want to give our viewers the grasp of how big this impact would be on the environment or how much textiles and fashion would contribute to some of our environmental issues. So do you have any insights as to how these things contribute to the environment around us? If Prince will not mind, I think he would be in a very good position to share a lot more information directly related because of the work that he's now doing with Fashion Revolution. I think they're at the forefront of uh, um, taking a very good look at how fashion impacts uh, the environment in general. Thank you for that, Director Ilumba. Fashion Revolution is a global movement calling for a fair, clean, safe, and a more sustainable fashion industry. While Wear Forward is the Philippines' premier clothing-as-a-service fashion tech startup and social enterprise that champions sustainability, circular fashion, and collaborative consumption. When we talk about sustainable fashion, we always have to consider the triple bottom line or the three Ps, which are the people, planet, and profit or alternatively, the three pillars of sustainability, which include the social, environmental, and economic aspects of fashion. So let's be clear that fashion doesn't only affect the environment, but also our society and economy. Many people don't know that the fashion industry is extremely wasteful and exploiting. In fact, it is one of the major polluting industries in the world, this is highly attributed to the production, distribution, and consumerism of fashion items. To make our clothes, the fashion industry relies heavily on coal for electricity and heat. Around 97% of the fibers we have come from virgin material sources, and over 60% of the fabrics we use are made from non-renewable fossil fuels. After being manufactured, our clothes are shipped or flown to their respective destinations wherein either process also uses fossil fuels. So as a result of this resource-heavy and high-volume system, 10% of the global carbon emissions come from the fashion industry. And we are all a part of this. The Ellen MacArthur Foundation found out that one garbage truck of textiles, including used and unsold clothes and accessories, is burned or sent to landfills every second worldwide. If you're listening to us right now, Try to reflect how many clothes you have thrown already to the bins for the past year. And yes, many fashion companies do destroy or incinerate their unsold inventories or returns instead of selling them at a lower price or donating them to charity. For one, such companies don't want their brands to be devalued, that's why they have this practice. They want to maintain a certain level of prestige. And another reason is that they want to preserve their reputation of exclusivity. 
But what about our planet or the people, particularly those who made those clothes, right? The global clothing production has more than doubled since the year 2000, but about 30% of the clothes that we produce are never sold, while 40% are rarely worn or never worn again at all. Another research found out that almost 30% of Filipinos have thrown away a clothing item after wearing it just once, and nearly 20% of Filipinos throw away clothes simply because they are more than a few seasons old. Unfortunately, clothes, accessories such as shoes and bags, and other textiles take hundreds of years to decompose, and so they only take up space in our landfills for centuries. And as they decompose, they release greenhouse gases, thereby contributing to global warming and polluting the planet even more. Moreover, 20% of our industrial water pollution comes from textile treatments and dyes. Around 8,000 chemicals are being used in the industry and released to our bodies of water, while half a million tons of textile microfibers, which are mostly microplastics, go to our oceans and environment every year. Meanwhile, McKinsey and Company reported this year that the fashion industry is also a significant contributor to biodiversity loss, with its supply chains directly linked to soil degradation, conversion of natural ecosystems, and waterway pollution. Most of its negative impacts on biodiversity comes from three stages in the supply chain, particularly in the raw material production, in the material preparation and processing, and in the product end of life. And not just that, in the fur industry, a sub-industry of the fashion industry, more than 100 million animals every year or three animals every second are killed for their fur, including fox and rabbit among others. The leather industry, also a sub-industry of the fashion industry, is another story. According to PETA, more than 1 billion baby and adult animals are being abused and slaughtered every year for their skins, which are then being turned into shoes, bags, wallets, jackets, furniture, and other textiles. Think about cows, pigs, horses, cats, crocodiles, snakes, elephants, and other animals being tortured and brutally killed for their skin. Yes. We have animals being raised and slaughtered specifically for leather. In addition, garments are found to be the second highest product that is at risk of modern slavery. Many garment or textile manufacturers have questionable working conditions such as inhuman working hours wherein some factory workers including children and teenagers are forced to work for 12 to 20 hours a day. Can you imagine that? There's also the disregard for their workers' health and safety, and the lack of proper sanitation, ventilation, drinking water, and so on. Even worse, there are a lot of reported garment workers being sexually assaulted or abused in their factories. A recent Guardian investigation found evidence of North Korean slave labor being used in Chinese factories exporting PPEs or personal protective equipment to the Philippines, the U.S., and other countries during this COVID-19 pandemic. On the other hand, at least 70 teenagers were found locked up at a spinning mill in India and were forced to work during lockdown. So these are just some of the negative impacts of fashion, and fast fashion in particular, wherein cheap, low-quality, and disposable clothes are rapidly and massively produced 
encouraging cheap merchandise turnover and facilitating overconsumption. These unsustainable practices of producers and unsustainable purchase, consumption, and disposal behavior of consumers are what WearForward is fighting against. We, together with Fashion Revolution, the Philippine Textile Research Institute, and other players in the industry are working towards making fashion sustainable. Mr. Ventura, I would actually like to ask, if we were to change something right now, like what should we focus on exactly? Should we focus on the fashion industry itself or should we focus on more of our consumer habits? When we say fashion industry, we talk about the whole supply chain of fashion. The fashion industry has one of the largest, longest, and most complicated global supply chains, spreading all over the world and operating in every country. And when we talk about its supply chain, we talk about both the fashion producers and the fashion consumers. The fashion supply chain includes different players, the researchers, farmers, weavers, suppliers, designers, brands, artisans, manufacturers, sewers, cutters, stylists, models, retailers, merchandisers, logistics operators, consumers, laundry shops and other fashion service providers, educators, and even the government institutions and our lawmakers. So I would say that each player has a role to play in creating change in the industry right now. But more importantly, we all need to agree on and commit to our bigger long-term common goal which is to achieve sustainability in fashion. According to the Brundtland Report, sustainable development means to meet the needs of the present without compromising the ability of future generations to meet their own needs. And so we as a whole and as individual players in the fashion supply chain want to change the fashion industry to a future wherein supply, production, and consumption of fashion products are designed in a way that ensures social, environmental, and economic sustainability. We are now living in an era of hyperproduction and hyperconsumption in the middle of a climate crisis. The fashion industry should rethink its value chain and be open to adopting large-scale changes both in design and manufacturing practices and consumption habits. Because after all, we can only truly minimize the negative effects of fashion when we all do it together. In the producer's side, here are three high-impact intervention areas which companies are encouraged to prioritize to reduce the greenhouse gas footprint of the fashion industry. First is to relentlessly pursue zero waste and scale up innovative materials and processes. Fashion companies have to invest in recycling technologies and infrastructures so that we can effectively shift to recyclable and reusable textiles and packaging designs that use less energy and generate less waste. Second is to reduce emissions from both upstream operations and from the operations of the companies. And third, is to lead the way in educating consumers and encouraging sustainable consumer behavior. Speaking of consumers, let's be honest. Most of us never think about our climate, environment, or even our factory workers when we buy our clothes. Am I right? But consumers can also help lessen our carbon emissions when we support local and we only buy what's necessary and urgent. We can change our consumer habits into avoiding or slowing down our fast fashion consumption, supporting sustainable brands and circular fashion innovations, 
as well as upcycling, recycling, refashioning, and donating our clothes to be reused again. I noticed that information about fast fashion and its environmental and socio-economic impacts is already out there, but not fully disseminated. And although some consumers are already aware of fast fashion's negative impacts, they simply aren't willing to sacrifice a cheaper deal. So the more we educate consumers and the more we engage fashion brands, suppliers, and other players in the supply chain, the more we can minimize the wastes and carbon pollution of the fashion industry. That's a really interesting insight because, um, you know, often we actually buy lots of clothes and um, nowadays people are really advocating to, to reuse fabrics or to just buy used clothes of somewhere else so that you don't have to resort to buying new clothes. But um, since you pulled up some statistics earlier, I would like to ask, um, how are we as a country compared to other nations? Is this a global issue? In the Philippines, sadly, we don't have that much data on our fashion pollution and waste. It's really a challenge to look for and acquire some statistics about our country's fashion footprint, for instance, because we don't have any available or published research just yet. But that's where the Filipino fashion community should come in. For instance, in Wear Forward, one of our goals is to conduct research to better understand our fashion ecosystem and to guide us in creating policies and systems which are geared towards the sustainable and circular development of our Philippine fashion industry. According to a mini-research we conducted in 2019 on the fashion purchase, consumption, and disposal behavior of Filipinos in Metro Manila, Around 95% of the respondents know what sustainability is, while over 77% practice sustainability in fashion. Moreover, we found out that nearly 78% of those who aren't aware about sustainability yet are interested to learn about sustainability in fashion. Nevertheless, sustainability has already become a major topic worldwide in recent decades as different companies and organizations lobby sustainability in different ways. Among the trends we are seeing today are that younger consumers are more concerned about their environmental and socio-economic impacts concerning fashion, that consumers demand transparency and accountability from fashion companies, that the market demands more sustainably made materials and products, and that there is a greater role for partnerships between the producers and consumers. Europeans were noted to be more aware about sustainable fashion and patronize it more. In the Philippines, I have observed that there has been an increasing interest in sustainable fashion among our designers, manufacturers, artisans, social entrepreneurs, consumers, and government agencies, like of course PTRI and BTI or the Department of Trade and Industry, for instance. Our fashion schools have also recently included dedicated classes and topics on sustainable fashion to their fashion programs curriculum. I know I Academy, the Institute of Creative Entrepreneurship, Fashion Arts Design, and Sofa Design Institute launched such changes in their programs only this year. The fashion programs of the University of the Philippines Diliman, the La Salle College of St. Benild, and other schools are also very much involved in the sustainable fashion dialogue. On top of that, I've also observed a growing community of online Filipino social groups such as on Facebook, which are dedicated to sustainable fashion, upcycling, and zero-waste lifestyles. So to our listeners, hopefully you can check those out and please join our Facebook group called Circular Fashion Philippines. Hi, um, 
I think it's like a 10%, less than 10% um, of what is thrown out. It's uh, 150 million tons, for example, is, is a number that, that comes out. Uh, and this is only talking about plastic waste in the oceans. Um, and uh, you know that the Philippines, of course, registered in that um, National Geographic uh, issue of about two years, if I'm not mistaken, two years back. We were cited as one of the the third, if not the most, uh, the, the third contributor. China was first. So that's just as one element. But at the end of the day, fashion is what? It's estimated to be a three trillion US dollar industry worldwide. Of course, it's not just clothing, yeah, right. but it's your um, accessories, your leather goods, your footwear, but it's a huge business that was projected for 2020. Obviously, with the COVID 19 situation, we don't know how that number is going to pan out. So seriously, a lot of the retail establishments have been in serious constraints because of, of many things, right? People can't go out, don't go out. There's not much use for clothing. But it doesn't take away the fact that you've already had this clothing amidst us uh, um, that has accumulated over time. So I think uh, there are two aspects to the fashion conversation. One is the, you spoke about the fast fashion side of this. And I, I think that this really is more of a level of consciousness um, that consumers are going to have to be aware of uh, or practice more of, mainly because fashion is, it, it's a twofold thing. Think of it as you, the consumer, wanting something that fashion puts out. But fashion is also looking at you, the consumer, as to what you are wanting. So it kind of feeds into the system. At the end of the day, the discernment has to come from the one who puts out the money. Because if you don't put out your money to buy it, then there's nothing for fashion to really work on, right? So this is really coming from the consumer's action or reaction. If fashion puts this out and you buy it or you buy or you put your money on that, that plate, then yes, you are contributing to that whole uh, system. And believe me, it is a system. Um, I can just cite you an example. For example, um, take a look at a, a reality musical show or a tv show i won't name the names you can imagine this in your head they were stuck in that show it could be endorsed it could be sponsored and then it's put out there they're wearing it it's something that people think is very cool very funky and they buy into the idea and when they see it in the stores they buy into it but that is something that is fed you and if you accept it and if you do not discern and think that oh this is you know i don't know how much this is going to be good for me do i even need it to begin with right so you ask yourselves those questions, you therefore have to create a criteria for when you will buy into something. Therefore, mindfulness is going to be very key to how we approach the entire picture. You can't just blame fashion. We are as much a part of that system as the people who create it for us. So mindfulness is going to be very important, especially for young guys as you. Right. So it, it puts a lot of emphasis on us as consumers, especially when engaging in something for anything. I definitely agree. Uh, I, th I think it's uh, right to agree that as consumers of products or of media or of anything, really, we really should be mindful of where we put our attention to, where we put money to. Seeing as you are a director of Philippine Textile Research Institute, how, what, what exactly would you, what, what kind of research do you do on textiles? Seeing as um, you know, the topic for today is in regards to sustainability and making something like fashion more environmentally friendly. And what are these steps that you have taken? Well, we're, we're the research development arm of the Department of Science and Technology. And essentially, on the textile conversation is a very wide uh, conversation. It goes from your 
basic polymer fibers all the way to its applications in the textile industrial medical aside from what we know as fashion because it's next to skin we can feel it we can sense it we can really touch it the expanse of conversation is very wide but let me start with one very basic that we are very much advocating at the Philippine Textile Research Institute in, in pursuit of the circularity, circular fashion economy. We have um, what we term as our closing the loop on fashion framework. And essentially, if you look at your supply chain, your, your raw materials, which we really would advocate is best coming from naturals at this point in time. Um, I mentioned plastics. It's because you can have plastics accumulate and you can take what? Not just decades, not just hundreds of years. You're talking about you know, 500 years, and it will still be for us. So where do you find that that um, garbage dump where we will put all of this, right? So in the circularity framework that we're looking at, we'd like to see, first of all, natural materials, and then we would like to see how we can convert that into from, from your raw material to your fiber, to your yarn, to your fabric, to your retail product, and then see that in your retail establishment. And you would like to see your retailer. And I, if I don't, if you don't mind, I always like to cite examples that we can relate to not to endorse them but to the practice of it and the idea so like the north american brand patagonia if you have a bubble jacket for example and it bursts one of the stitches breaks how do you fix that so this retail establishment will direct you to where their alteration or repair shops are or they will take it back or they will actually give you a video on how to fix it, how to repair it, so that you can keep th things in use longer, which is one of the principles of the circular economy. You'd like to keep things in use longer. You want to regenerate um, natural uh, resources and uh, take out waste, design it into the system. So in any case, from your retail, then you go to your, your consumer. And you want to think that your consumer still knows how to hem a seam. If your shirt, for example, breaks, and how do you fix that or mend it? If your button gets loose or gets detached, how do you put that back on? You'd like to think that we know how to do it. I don't know if our school still teaches that, but they did teach that to us when we were in high school, at least in my generation. Then bring it to post-consumer. You'd like to think that a retail partner, and I guess H&M is the best example that I can give at this point in time. There are others. Eileen Fisher does this as well in the U.S., but H&M does this. They will take back a bag of clothes, four to five pieces. And I think the beautiful part of it is it does not have to be their brand. And when you give it back to them, they will sort it out and say, okay, reusable, recyclable, let's donate this. We have our own Segunda Mana of the Catholic Church. It's pretty awesome because even before all of this became fashionable, the Catholic Church was already doing this via Segunda Mana. So anyway, so let me go back. So then if it is not reusable, they send it back someplace, they break it apart, and you can now make a new fiber, a new yarn, a new fabric. This is what we would like to do. We are proposing a project that is going to take care of this. I'm sure we're all hoarders. I think uh, a lot of Filipinos don't like to throw away our clothes. because And there's another side to that, which is a beautiful side. We want to bequeath, or we want to hand it down, or we want to donate, right? But we have so much clothes in our closets, and we don't want to get rid of them. So this is a way of uh, resuscitating something that we love that we use. You can reuse it. And we already have so much raw materials available to us. So that's one side. But the other most important, very much um, low-hanging, natural textile fibers. So we advocate the use of what is already abundant in our country. So we have abaca, which is endemic to the Philippines. 86% of what's in the country, of what's in the world is fucking abaca. The ones that are not here, Ecuador, Indonesia, likely also came from the Philippines. So endemic means it's only, it's grown here as in, it's ours. 
Then we have pineapple leaves and banana. The beauty of these two, they are agricultural waste. They're already to be thrown out. So they can be reused and made into new, into fiber that can be made into uh, a yarn that can be then woven or knitted or used as a non-woven material input, which is what you have for your N95 or N88 or non-woven medical items. Imagine if you can make that biodegradable versus what we have now, single-use disposable. Wow, that's going to be a big burden on the planet, if not on us eventually because of the biohazard that they will cause. So there, there, were, there is, is where we are at. Looking at the natural chain, using agricultural waste in the process, and looking at the circularity uh, and making sure that we can reuse as much as we can or upcycle as much as we can. I find it really interesting how you brought up a lot of very sustainable materials or reusable materials. So you put a lot of emphasis on um, making fashion very circular and making sure that we as consumers really reuse our products or learn what to do. Basically, keep, keep the chain going. Bamboo is another material that we are working on. But remember that we are a research and development institute. We're not producers ourselves. We are trying to address a supply chain gap by making some materials available for use by micro enterprises, uh, designers or social entrepreneurs. Um, but we are looking for people, um, enthusiasts, no, not just enthusiasts, industrialists, who will take a look at this and really bring this to the next step. That is what we're lacking work in. So it's really taking these ideas and elevating them to a bigger stage. Eventually it could lead to we have a lot of people who are waiting to have this. And we have, you know, it's again a, a chicken and egg situation. Um, if you don't have it, how can people really know that it's available or that you can have it in place? Uh, and at the same time, if you're looking for it but don't see it or find it, scale, scale becomes an issue. Um, we see this in a lot of cases. We're able to produce some things in a micro level, like 50 kilos of uh, a blended um, cotton with abaca or cotton with pineapple leaf or cotton with bamboo or, or, or banana, but that's 50 kilos or even 180 kilos. Let's just say for the sake of discussion, 200 kilos. You know, that 200 kilos is only going to translate to 1,200 meters or 1,500 meters of fabric. 100 million Filipinos in the Philippines. You know, we need to close 100 million, 110 million Filipinos. But if I only can produce 1,500 meters, 2,000 meters a day, it's going to take like a, hundred, a couple of centuries. Right. So I'm happy that you guys have this interest because the more people talk about this, the more people can probably speak to, you know, your own families and maybe find that, oh, maybe somebody should be investing in this as a, as a, um, a sustainable business development. I'm really glad I'm hearing about all of this. Really delving into it, you realize how much of an environmental impact it has on the world. And seeing as how we like to indulge in different pieces of clothing as much as we like different brands, we really should work for sustainable and more uh, friendly towards the environment. And based on the ideas that you have presented from the Research Institute, it's really interesting how a lot of people, well, from my knowledge, don't know much about that side of fabric research. So I'd, I really hope that one day these ideas could make it to a commercial level because yeah, yeah. I, I think they're very good. Anyway. Yeah, like I'll, I'll just cite you, um, you know, one concrete example. The 
we put up our, our, our regional yarn production innovation center in Yagao in Iloilo, and they can produce 50 kilos of blended 30% um, uh, abaca with 70% Philippine cotton. And we had already, this is now desk research, not really desk, it's actually actual, but we have not done the complete life cycle assessment, which looks at energy and, and other chemical input and all the way back to your raw material. But if I just look at the water consumption alone, for every gram of cotton that I replace, because cotton is not a very environmentally sound material to produce, it's a fantastic natural material because it is comfortable, we're very familiar with it, we know how to handle it, and a lot of the systems are based on cotton. But in terms of water use, it really uses up a lot of, of water in both the planting and the, the growing as well as in the processing of it. For every gram of cotton that we replace with a natural textile fiber, such as abaca, we save 1%. We reduce water consumption by 1%. So if I replace 30 grams of cotton, it, it's already natural, right? I'm not even talking about polyester. I'm talking about a both natural material. I'm saving 30% or reducing the water use by 30% simply by replacing the cotton. What about if I replace the polyester? It's even going to be more. So I just don't have the life cycle analysis uh, on those because everything we do has to be projectized. And so we have to put out as a project and there has been one proposed. It just needs to be funded by government. Thank you. Thank you. That's very good insights. We really should think about these things moving forward, especially uh, when producing garments. That would be really, really beneficial for the industry as a whole and would definitely give consumers a lot of incentive, uh, if not more incentive to purchase such products actually uh, very much on your first line of, uh, of approach or defense, the work that Prince does for work Director Alumba mentioned dressing up 110 million Filipinos with the textiles that are sourced and produced in our country. That's really wonderful. I've read about PTRI's Regional Yarn Production and Innovation Center that can produce over 13,000 kilograms of yarns made of our natural textile fibers per year. And that could make 24,000 pieces of female blouses or 18,000 pieces of office barongs. That's cool, right? Just to add, a circular economy is a sustainable economic model designed to eliminate waste and restore valuable resources. It is restorative and regenerative by design. So instead of the linear economy model of take, make, waste, we will follow the make, use, reuse circular economy model. So when we talk about circular fashion, we create materials and products with their next use in mind. We eliminate fashion waste and we restore valuable clothes, accessories, and other textiles. Shifting to a restorative and regenerative supply chain starts at the very beginning by understanding our supply chain partners. And I agree that we have to create natural systems. To become circular, the fashion industry must reinvent itself in how we design. We must design clothes for recycling and reuse. A part of it, of course, is to ensure that the recycling process is more sustainable than existing production processes which take on virgin materials. We must also innovate what materials we use. We must create new types of materials, ideally from renewable resources, that would have less impact on the environment and better yet if they can be infinitely recycled. Bloomberg reports that China, the largest textile-producing, exporting, and buying country in the world, has their next problem centered in recycling 26 million tons of discarded clothing. This similar situation might also be happening in other countries. 
Well, it is a good news for us that people are sending more clothes and other textiles for recycling and reusing, we also have to be reminded that we need to address the real issues. We must stop overproducing fashion. Again, we must design fashion pieces that are durable and can be recycled. We must stop buying much more than what we can use. And we must efficiently use the clothes that we already have. Not to mention, we must revolutionize how we source, treat, dye, cut, sew, transport, sell, buy, use, and dispose of fashion. According to a 2018 conference paper, the speed and scale of the transition to a circular model will depend on knowledge, awareness, and engagement of all market participants and it will involve the whole product life cycle from design to utilization. The special role in this transformation will be played by the consumers. The speed and excess of the changes will depend on their choices, on the amount and quality of products they buy, on their openness to new business models, and on the manner of dealing with the used products. To our listeners out there, please keep in mind that our transition to sustainable and circular fashion very much depends on you as it does on me. This shift is not just a transition of materials and processes, but also a transition of values. Interestingly, the fashion industry directly employs around 75 million people throughout its value chain, which makes it the world's third largest manufacturing sector. So the fashion industry is a key area for economic development. As Director Ilumba has brought up earlier, there are already several brands who are tackling fashion waste. Similarly, one of our initiatives in Wear Forward, called the Donate Your Textile Waste, is to eliminate and recover textile waste from households, companies, organizations, schools, factories, brands, and designers, and innovate those into fashion items with better quality or environmental value through upcycling, alteration, recycling, and other refashioning processes. Otherwise, we donate them to our communities or beneficiaries for reconsumption. We can minimize the textile wastes we already have by using the methods that we already know. We can repair, we can alter. Those processes are actually embedded in the Filipino culture since before our great-grandparents' generation. They know how to sew or mend our clothes. Maybe you have particular memories of your grandparents repairing your damaged clothes or reconditioning your stained or worn-out clothes. But we are losing those traditions already in our generation. So we would also like to encourage the young generation to not just simply look good and be fashionable, but more importantly, be fashionable in a way that you know how to fix your clothes and you know how to wash or store them properly so that you can extend their life as long as possible. Again, if you have clothes, accessories, and other textiles to donate, just contact Wear Forward on Facebook or Instagram. Yeah, that's really interesting. I, I noticed that Wear Forward in particular puts a lot of emphasis on the circular aspect of fashion, or uh, rather circular fashion as a whole. And the reusing, uh, most of you have uh, put a lot of notice on reusing and recycling it and repurposing it for other garments or maybe for other products. So I really like how um, a lot of these topics just go into this circular motion, like you said, circular fashion and reusing fabrics that were otherwise discarded and turning them into something new, something fresh. So rather than um, focusing on 
like what you said, uh, Mr. Ventura, rather than, um, other than focusing on rather looking good or being trendy, we should also focus on the environmental or reusable aspects of fashion, right? So our guests today have put a lot of emphasis on uh, recycling, upcycling, reusing fashion, and the many textile options that come with it, and how many how many ways we could really make the fashion industry and our habits as, as consumers just uh, more environmentally friendly uh, moving forward. So um, really quick before we wrap up this podcast, is there anything you both would like to say to our viewers in regards, in regards to how we could make ourselves more uh, better consumers or more environmentally friendly consumers? Do you have any advice? Yes, Joaquin, I would really... Um, refer to that mindfulness idea. It's a, it's conscious consumption and mindful living is something that you probably have heard or hear a lot. But there's also another way of looking at it. It's designing out waste. Um, mean rather not looking at anything as waste, but looking as as at that output or differential as a resource, because that's really what the goal of circularity is. Waste is food. It's a feedstock for the next process. But that also means mindfulness. For example, in one of our um, decision points, we decided that you cannot have an intimate yarn. Yarn is like the very basic material that you use for making either a knit shirt or a, a pair of denim jeans. The yarn is a woven or knitted. That yarn must either be wholly natural or wholly synthetic so that it is easier to separate them. If you mix polyester within that yarn, which was what was the norm in the past, then it will be very difficult to separate them in the, end, in the future. We can still have polyester on the warp, if you are familiar with the weaving process, on the vertical line, and you can have the natural material on the weft, then you can separate that. But if you put it on the one same, so this is really where the struggle of the blends come in. So when I say designing, it also means Part of that also means attuning it to a criteria, a set of criteria. I, I don't propose that you follow the same thing, but when I go take a look at product, I look at the, the, the label or the tag. If it has viscose in it, I drop it. Unless it says that this is viscose that was done in the circular process or closed loop is the other way of calling it. In the closed loop system, then cell, model, lyocell, those are closed loop, also the same regenerated cellulose process. But if it says viscose, I drop it. If it says made in a country that I do not think I should be patronizing, I drop it. That narrows my, my, my choices. I will not name the country, but I'm saying you must also be mindful and design this into your system. What will you use as your mechanism when you go out to shop for something? Do you need it? Do you want it? Where is it made? Who made it? How was it made? Was it, you know? What is it made of? So you go through the motion of, of making that for yourself. And the final thing I will say is, look at something made in the Philippines. 90% of what we're wearing in this country is not made from the Philippines. It's imported. So who got the job? Who made the clothes? I mean, to, to, refer, to paraphrase um, our fashion revolution, which country benefited from the industry that that sustained? That's one part of the, the coin. The other part is, Guys, don't even say, ay, gawa pala sa Pilipino siya, dapat mura lang yan. No, quality and, and, and value is not in the cost. 
So you also have to reframe and rethink what is valuable, what is important that I give a job to a Filipino someplace here in the Philippines rather than send a Filipino to work abroad to make that same pair of denim jeans that I'm buying at this price imported you know, from someplace else. That doesn't make sense, right? But it means that the system has to, it will become wobbly. It will be a, a um, you're going to be, uh, you know, skewing the boat or rocking the boat, which means if I can retain a Filipino here, even if I have to pay 100% more, I think I would rather do that than pay 50% or 100% less and, and you know, um, have to ship out that Pinoy to another country to produce it for me in another country, right? So I, I'd like us to think about the big picture rather than, it's cheaper, eh, I'd rather na lang this one kasi mas mura. After all, I'll throw it away naman tomorrow. Something like that. So it's a rethinking. Um, so when you say three R's, really the entire conversation is no longer a question of three R's. It includes repurposing, as, as uh, Prince had also indicated, but it also means rethinking and refusing. So it's six R's. Reuse, reduce, recycle, rethink, re repurpose, rethink, refuse. So now we have six R's to take into yeah. account, right? That's all. It's quite a bit. I'm going to have to start checking my clothes now, actually. <laughs> um, would, would you have anything to say about this, um, Mr. Ventura? This pandemic may have disrupted our cycle of hyperproduction and hyperconsumption. Now, we hope that people put more value on our environment and the things that truly matter over fashion trends. We have to manage what we can measure so that we can supervise our progress, whether it be on the use of materials, energy, or chemicals, working conditions, textile wastes, and so on. We need structural change, and the change needs to happen at three levels, the producers, the consumers, and the government. When we do it as a community, as the whole fashion supply chain, we can revolutionize the fashion industry together make a great collective impact, and improve the planet and people's lives while making profit. I would also like to remind our listeners that you have environmental and socio-economic responsibilities. As consumers, you first need to invest in knowledge, know the extent of the problem so that you can be a part of the solution. As we always say in Fashion Revolution, be curious, find out, do something. Then you can address your own behavior. We don't only need to change fashion, but also, more importantly, we need to change our mindset. One way to be a part of the change is by making your personal sustainable wardrobe. Today, the average lifetime of a garment is just three years. If we could only produce more good quality clothes, and I know we can, and then we wear them more than 50 times instead of just five times, we can actually reduce our personal carbon emissions by up to more than 400%. So here are my six tips for you on how you can build your own sustainable wardrobe. First, it's simple, buy less clothing. Buy only what you need and remember to choose quality over quantity. Remember what Director Alumba has highlighted earlier about consciousness and mindfulness. Second, part of being a conscious and mindful consumer is that before you purchase a new clothing item, do your research and ask the manufacturers or brands if they followed certain sustainable criteria in making and handling their products. Third, explore vintage, second-hand, or hand-me-down clothes, or buy or make your own upcycled clothes. As you may already know, upcycling our clothes is good for the environment, 
it lowers production cost, it saves natural resources, and it allows for more creativity. Fourth, take care of your clothes by following the garment care and laundry instructions, by storing them properly, and by repairing them when needed. Fifth, don't throw clothes away. You can swap your clothes with others or donate them instead. And sixth, keep your clothes in use for as long as you can. Keep in mind that you can minimize your own fashion footprint every additional year you wear each of your clothes. Moreover, avoid making big and drastic changes. Sustainable and circular fashion is a lifestyle, so start with habits that are easier for you to change and do. Your small actions can lead to big changes, and everyday actions can lead to crucial differences. Always remember, what you wear or subscribe to is an expression of who you are. Dress not to impress, but to express. And as we always say, wear forward today, wear it forward tomorrow. I think the Philippines has so much opportunities. We have an abundance of resources available to us. We have the skills, the talent, just creative juice flowing all over the place. But guess what? We have no raw materials with which to work. And the raw material starts with the yarns. It starts with um, us being able to extract from the ground because seriously, they are on the ground. We have to bring them forward and bring them to uh, you know, functional materials that we can already use as our as our input for weaves or for, for knits or even non-woven material. But it does require consciousness on the part of our industrialists. We need to have business people who will see this or develop it as a business, sustainable business concept, because we also don't believe that if, you know, this is not Kawangawa, this is not philanthropy, you know, this is not um, CSR, this is not charity. This has to be a business, so it must make money. But it does require that someone will look at this with a bigger lens or a wider lens and to look at this from a value perspective in the quick returns because this will not happen. It's developmental and we do not have the scale. As everybody knows, scale is important, right? Economies of scale, as they call it. So that will have to be developed over time. So if we're looking at the corporate perspective on ROIs, it may be very challenging. So what we need is someone who is in between a social business industrialist, um, you know, uh, someone who will have that dimension on the value that it will drive, but certainly with the goal in mind of making tons of money out of this. So we do hope that we have that individual in the Philippines, because certainly we have many communities outside of the Philippines who are asking us for this. And we have been hemming and hoeing, not wanting to really um, give it or share it because we think that we should do it first. Yes, Director Ilumba. We definitely need more Filipino fashion social entrepreneurs and investors. We are hoping for more impact-driven Filipino fashion businesses grounded with both social and environmental missions. Anyone of you is related to a millionaire, a billionaire, yes. uh, let us know. So, <laughs> if there's anyone of influence listening to this podcast right now, you could totally uh, take these things into consideration, totally elevate these ideas. Okay. What we've learned in this uh, podcast is to really be mindful in how we place our value and how we consume our products. And remember that we should reuse, uh, recycle. Um, we should also upcycle our products. And there are definitely solutions to the problems um, in regards to this particular topic. So special thanks to uh, Director Ilumba. Thank you very much, uh, Mr. Ventura, for joining us in this podcast. Thank you, Thank you very much for the Mission Sustainable team. Thank you, Mission Sustainable. God bless everyone. All right.
Thank you very much.